Damn, dude, that was supernatural. <laughs> Ew! <laughs> that was gross. Hey guys. Get swifty. Okay. Hey guys. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to my channel. Welcome who, back. Who does that? Jeffree Star. With oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Okay, so today is gonna be a super special episode because we are recording before our haunted plantation investigation paranormal extravaganza. And before we get our booties eaten. So, um, it's me and Lindsay, and we're here in a creepy-ass-looking yeah, hotel. Dude, dead. it looks like I'm gonna fucking die. It looks like- Dude, it's creepy. So like, serial killer vibes I'm getting. Not, like, haunted. Okay, I would probably see a girl in a little white dress hanging out in the hallway, maybe. Some shining. Right? Okay. So, that kind of goes into my story today. Yeah. But let's start off with our introductions. Hello, my name is Sarah. And my name is Lindsay. And this is Ghost, Ghost Story Bus. Aww, <laughs> I miss Sarah Catherine. She I always know. does that, so we're gonna have to start doing that now. Anyways, so this goes into my stories that we have today, which it's pretty fucking long. It's a good episode. Let's crack into it. Let's get into yes. it. Let's get ready. Let's do it. Okay, so let's oh. open her. Setting of the scene. Okay, here we go, guys. <laughs> 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 it's been a minute. Have you ever stayed in a hotel that just gave you the worst fucking vibes? Eh, here we go. That's, that's this. this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! She came in with the mask! Yes. Okay. Yeah. No. Have you ever stayed in a hotel that just gave you the worst fucking vibes? It's a normal fucking hotel room, nothing special, but for some reason, you can't shake the feeling that there is something else in the room with you. Something that isn't right. Something evil. Something invisible. You'll chalk it up to just staying in a room that isn't yours and having the first night in an unknown place feeling, but what if you woke up at 3 a.m., the room is pitch black, but there's something much darker standing right over you. What if, for some reason, you ended up in one of America's most haunted hotels? Lindsay! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that was a genuine Dude, I swear to <laughs> All right, all right. So this week's topic is a pretty lengthy one, mostly because there is some pretty damn good information that I was able to find, and I just couldn't leave any of it out. So I Googled the world's, or not the world's, North America's most haunted hotels, and I wasn't disappointed. So here are five, and boy, are they fucked. I mean, they're really, yeah. And honestly, it'll make you think twice about the next time you stay in a hotel. Oh my God. We're <laughs> literally staying in a hotel right now. Oh, and you literally said it was like The Shining. I'm sorry, spirits, don't eat my ass. Don't eat my ass. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe. Okay, so we'll start with uh, the Shanley Hotel. Okay. Ever heard of it? No. I've never heard of it either. Don't get this hotel mixed up with the well-known Stanley Hotel because it sounds very fucking similar. The Shanley Hotel is not as well known, but is most definitely a very haunted hotel. And from the information I was able to find, should definitely get some recognition. The Shanley Hotel is a three-story Dutch colonial. The 35-room hotel rents only 10 of its rooms to its guests. 
which honestly that should kind of give you like a mm-hmm. oh shit so this is the history the shanley hotel is located in napanock new york and was built in 1845 by thomas rich the shanley hotel didn't start off with its name mr rich named the hotel rich's hotel on main street and it was fairly popular in 1851 rich sold the hotel and once again the hotel changed names and it's now called the hungerfords hotel in march of 1895 tragedy struck and a nearby home caught fire and the hotel burnt to the ground luckily not all was lost and what remained of the hotel <laughs> fucking a <laughs> <laughs> she scared me <laughs> she scared you <clears throat> okay so luckily not all was lost and what remained of the hotel was bought by a man by the name of james shanley turning the hotel into what it is today mr shanley loved the hotel and wanted to make it grand so he added a bowling alley a billiards room and a barber shop mr shanley and his wife beatrice rowley were well loved in the town Everything was going so well for the couple, but it wouldn't last long in the Shanley Hotel. Mrs. Beatrice loved and wanted children and longed for a family of her own. She gave birth to a total of three beautiful children, one girl and two boys, but sadly the children passed away at very young ages. But this wouldn't be the last, huh? Was it of natural causes? Yeah. Okay. She just couldn't couldn't carry kids. Mm -hmm. Um, But this wouldn't be the last tragedy for the Shanley Hotel or the Shanleys. Esther Fogman, which is Beatrice's sister, lived in the adjourning apartment next to Mrs. Beatrice with her husband and her family, which included two little girls. Mrs. Beatrice and Esther were very close, but Esther missed her friends and family she left behind in New York City. Sadly, Esther lost her life to the Spanish influenza in 1918, leaving Mrs. Beatrice to take care of her two daughters. So not only has she lost, like, kids, but she lost her sister now, and, I mean, she really is, like, super fucking... So I think Mrs. Shanley was traumatized by the tragedy that occurred while living Mm -hmm. in the hotel, which is why people believe that she still roams the hallways, because she's definitely a ghost there. Yeah. On the website for the Shanley Hotel, many guests have witnessed a woman in a period dress wandering through the hallways. She is also known for her fragrant perfume, and several people have suddenly smelled a glorious scent that many believe to be Mrs. Shanley nearby. Hmm. Okay, so having lost three children, her sister, throughout her lifetime of living in the hotel, I wouldn't leave either. Yeah. So, but not only did Mrs. Shanley lose a family member, Mr. Shanley lost his brother, Andrew, in 1919. And supposedly Andrew is one of the ghosts as well. So basically their whole family is like haunting this uh, hotel. The Shanley family were not the only ones to be struck by tragedy. The live-in barber that ran the barbershop in the hotel lost his youngest daughter, Rose. Rose was only three years old when one fateful day she decided to go across the street to the Hornbeak farm and peer into the well. Sadly, Rose lost her balance and fell into the well, hitting her head on the rocks down below. Little Rose wasn't found until two hours later. Distraught with grief, the barber gathered what was left of his family and left the Shanley Hotel. Many people have seen the apparition of a little girl and have heard her speaking to them from the shadows of the hallways. Then came September of 1915 when the next door neighbor, Mr. Walter Nelson. Okay, so first off, let me just tell you, there is so much tragedy in this hotel. It's fucking ridiculous. So... The next-door neighbor, Dr. Walter Nelson Thayer, was backing out of the alley that ran between his home and the hotel, Mm -hmm. and his five-year-old 
son jumped into the running board, which a running board is like on a on a vehicle. You step onto the running board, like to get into the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what the running board. It, that's what it is. So he jumped onto the running board only to fall off. The car inevitably backed over him and his head. So he oh, ran over his son's own head. Uh, he didn't die. But he did suffer severe head injuries. A local preacher's daughter, Helen, was only nine years old when she was lured with the promise of a lollipop to a nearby swamp and murdered by a man by the name of Alfred Volkman. Volkman spent some time in the notorious Sing Sing prison before he was executed, which he deserved. But it is said that both Volkman and Helen are resident spirit guests. So, then the 18th Amendment came through. Do you know what the 18th Amendment is? Prohibition. Do you know what prohibition is? Like a band of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay, so. So, the 18th Amendment came uh, came around, uh, which is prohibition. People love their alcohol, so speakeasies weren't all that scarce. They were pretty common. Speakeasies okay. were pretty common. You know speak speakeasy is? Yeah, where they were fucking... Hiding there. I know what it is because of freaking Riverdale. So, uh, they were very illegal, but that didn't stop many people from doing that. So, uh, Mr. Shanley was no different. And hit the old a barber's apartment, he kicked his speakeasy up a notch, and it was both a speakeasy and a bordello. Do you know what a bordello is? No. It's like prostitutes. Oh, my God. So he had a prostitute, like, a little house and a speakeasy. So it's, like, the best. All right, so John Powers was a well-known bootlegger and provided Mr. Shanley with his alcoholic needs. But all good times come to an end, and the two were found out, and they were raided. And all the alcohol was confiscated, and that was the end of that. John Powers is believed to have never left the hotel and continues to lurk in the dark corners. Mm-hmm. Mr. Shanley passed away in 1937, and Mrs. Beatrice sold the hotel to a man by the name of Alan Hazen, who drank so much he had a quiet room. Like, after he drank, what? he literally had to lay down and, like, be quiet. And he told people, like, guests and shit, like, mm-hmm. you need to be care- you need to be quiet when you're going around my quiet room, because I'm going to be pissed if you don't. If you're what not quiet. What the hell? Yeah. So, uh, he did not like to be wakened, wakened up. So, he kept the hotel until his death in 1971. Then, in 1991, the hotel was abandoned and remained abandoned for 10 years. And a man by the name of Salvatore Nicosia in 2005 bought the hotel and began renovating it until his death in 2007. So, there are up to 30 ghosts that have been contacted in this hotel. 30 plus. Damn. 30 plus ghosts, should I say. Yeah. But there are a few that stick around and make contact more regularly. There's a man who whistles, several children, and even a ghost cat named Sweet Thing, which is an apparition mm-hmm. that was actually caught on camera several times. A ghost cat? Mm-hmm. No way. Yeah. Ghost cats are real. Animals can come back as ghosts. Really? Yes. No way. It's a thing. It's a thing. You'll see Henry again. Oh. That's fucked up. That is mean. You know how bad I cried. Mean bitch. (laughs) Okay, so the staff that worked there, including the hotel manager and the new owner, have all had some crazy fucking experiences. One spirit. Lindsay, do not spit out that coke. Is she crying? (laughs) Bitch, Henry's not dead. I'm just kidding. Crystal, you're so <laughs> fucking mean. Oh, you know, we know you can hear from all the way to the elevator. You're so dumb. <laughs> Lindsay, I, I love you. I said that because Henry's you. alive. Motherfucker lives better than he did before. Oh, He's inside. <laughs> He's inside. <laughs> 
Stop talking about Henry! Y'all are fucking assholes. Alright, can I finish this already, guys? Or are we gonna mm -hmm. just continuously just interrupt me? <laughs> Crystal. <laughs> Oh, you bitch. <laughs> One spirit by the name of Frank, who worked as a bodyguard back when the bordello was still open, can get pretty handsy. The owner stated that Frank has strangled her twice, and when she told a group, he replied via EVP, you liked it. Oh my. That's some ghost BDSM. <laughs> One guest asked Frank how he died, and he replied, a gunshot in the pub. The ghost of James Shanley has appeared as a recognizable misty form as he happily walks around the hotel, going about his business, and he also likes to whistle. Mrs. Beatrice's sister, Esther, has been seen by many guests and has been described as a lovely, lovely woman who welcomes visitors. When she visits, her presence is seen or felt in the second floor apartment or telephone booth. The ghost of John Fogman, which is Esther's husband, is seen as well. He likes to follow female guests around, possibly seen as trying to help them since John took over the hotel after Mr. Shanley's death. The ghost of the six-year-old boy known as Jonathan stays on the third floor, playing with his toys, but he has been seen and felt around the entire hotel. One investigation group invited Jonathan to move a ball, which he did. He sometimes likes to appear as an 11-year-old boy, which that is just fucking weird because mm -hmm. I've never heard of a ghost like appearing differently. Do you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> like he likes to appear as an 11-year-old boy, but well, he's also six years old. Because, uh, okay, so I have this one girl that I follow on the tick of the talk and <laughs> she said she has a whole bunch of ghost stories on her thing. Like she's, uh, what is it called? She's a seer. Okay. Yeah. And she used to talk to ghosts. Like, mm -hmm. when she was younger, that's how her parents found out. Well, she said that not all come to her as the age that they died. Or, um, yeah, at the age that they died. They could be, like, in their 20s if they died, died at 60. They come to you as the age they were happiest at. Oh, that's pretty yeah. cool. I did not know that. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, I mean, when I first read that, I was like, what the fuck? Uh, so, for a long time, people believed the little boy spirit that resides upstairs in the attic of the hotel, um, whom they affectionately called Jonathan, could actually be connected to Walter, the Dr. Walter, you know, the one who ran over his kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they think that he's connected somehow. Hmm. So, then there's Claire. Uh, though the official story explained the death of Claire is that she supposedly hung herself from the third floor, it is now thought that maybe she was killed at the hands of another. This could have been a cover-up story for her murderer, uh, a husband, a boyfriend, or a mobster whom she crossed to guard the reputation of the Shanley Hotel. But she hung herself or got hung. Remember when I talked about that guy, Volk that guy, Mr. Volkman, who lured that little girl into a swamp and killed her? Mm -hmm. Well, his ghost is definitely at the hotel, too. Shanley's volunteer caretaker, Mike L., tried one evening to call out to him. When Mike was in bed watching TV, the bed began to shake. Two or three hours later, he looked up and saw the apparition of the killer just staring at him. Mike knew it was the killer because he had seen a picture of him in the Shanley Hotel scrapbook. Oh. Though the spirit had a bad attitude, because no shit, he's a fucking murderer, yeah. uh, he still appeared before Mike. The Shanley Hotel is well known for their very clear and very responsive EVPs, and they actually have a whole page dedicated to them on their official website, which allows you to hear and also see evidence that was been captured at the hotel. So in the secret room where the speakeasy was up and running, people feel the sensation of being handcuffed or tied up, kind of giving you the feelings of officers arresting you, right? The ghosts and the ghost experiences that plague the Shanley Hotel are never ending and will continue to haunt this place for eternity. Stay tonight, sign the waiver, and get choked out by some bodyguard ghost if you oh dare. Oh my gosh. Right? Hey. No, I'm hey. just kidding. Hey, <laughs> okay, dude, the Cecil Hotel. That's scary. Cecil? 
the Cecil Hotel. That's been in movies and stuff, right? Uh-huh. Okay. It's going to be good. Okay. Okay. So, okay, but let's start. Let's let's share your... What do you think of the Shanley? That's freaking horrible how many fucking deaths have happened there. That's the most deaths I think I've ever heard. Well, I would not... You could not pay me. You have to, to sign a there. waiver to stay in there. You could not fucking pay me. And it's like there. old timey, old looking. So. Oh no! How many guests uh, can stay there? I mean, I guess how how because there's like ten rooms. So yeah, ever, you said it was pretty small. Yeah, there's like I looked at the Dude, website and they crazy. show you like the rooms and they're just like really cramped and ugly and old and like you have to share bathrooms with people. Yeah. All right, you no, ready? <clears throat> Cecil Hotel. Did they want to um, get in the episode and commentate or no? Crystal said no. Even though she's already been loud as fuck. You want to comment on some stuff? Jocelyn, what do you think of the Shanley? Gary and I want to go. <laughs> oh, you do not. Look, is that creepy? What does it say? The sun has to set and so have I. That's not creepy. The heck, what does it mean then? That means the sun's setting and you have to set down too. Like you have to lay down. Or the sun has risen and so have I. Or the sun's brightness is dying and I have to die too. No. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you are deep, girl. Deep. Alright. So Cecil Hotel. When I think about this hotel, my mind immediately starts singing that Hotel California song. Welcome to the Hotel California. So, uh, the hotel that gave inspiration to the fifth season of the American Horror Story. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, it gave the inspiration to the fifth season of American Horror Story um, and includes 700 rooms filled with death. I Wait. give you the Cecil Hotel. Oh, my God. 700 rooms? Nah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So the Cecil Hotel, which is now called Stay on Main, mm-hmm. uh, because reasons, you know, it's, you know, notorious. They don't want That's people to know. Fucking creepy. So it opened as a budget hotel in 1924, and the cost of it was about a million dollars to build that 700-room hotel. Mm. The hotel was beautiful for its time, boasting an opulent marble lobby with stained glass windows potted plants and alabaster statuary like kind of like rome like you see the statues in rome like it had that stuff in the lobby which is weird so five years in the great depression hit and as much as the hotel flourished as a fashionable destination through the 1940s then came skid row do you know what skid row is Mm -mm. it's like this really long strip in los angeles where it's just nothing but it's just nothing but homeless people like Junkies. drug addicts yeah they all live there prostitution everything bad you can possibly think of it's really terrible and mm-hmm. yeah it's bad so as many as ten thousand homeless people lived there within a four mile radius in 2007 part of the hotel was refurbished and sold off in 2014 uh to the guy who owns it now and he's it's closed right now no one can go into it no one can stay anymore because he's actually turning it into like a historical marker also making it like a little bit more better and up to date because it was old so suicides and murder this hotel has me 100 percent believing that this is an absolutely cursed hotel because of how many suicides how many murders how much death has actually been in this hotel was this the hotel that came out on um ahs yes Okay. That's what is. I just said that. It's like an inspiration of the hotel. Did you say that? Yes, I just said that. What the hell? You don't, don't listen. Did you hear her say that? Yes, you fucking did, Crystal. Shut no, up. she didn't. So let's break down the murders and suicides of the Cecil Hotel. Okay. <laughs> the first reported suicide occurred in 1951 by a man named W.K. Norton. Norton died in his room by taking poison capsules. They actually called the hotel the suicide. Like, that's what those, Whoa. like, 
its name. Yeah. So in 1947, Elizabeth Short, known as the victim in the Black Dahlia murder, has been seen drinking at the Cecil Bar before her infamous and still unsolved murder. Have you ever heard of the Black Dahlia mur- murder? Mm-mm. Bro. I haven't heard anything. Much oh of my it, uh, god, you're so... Anyways. Uncultured swine. Uncultured swine. So here's some unfun facts about the Black Dahlia murder, because I figured you wouldn't know. Okay. Elizabeth Short was found murdered in the Lemire, I guess, Park neighborhood of L.A. Her corpse was severely mutilated and bisected at the waist, which means they cut her in half at the waist. Oh. Uh, Dreamed of her blood and was posed. When I say posed, the corpse had her hands over her head. Her elbows bent at right angles and legs spread apart. The person who actually found the body thought that she was a discarded store mannequin, uh, which is really fucked up. Yeah. Also, another weird fucking thing is the killer washed her body and slashed from the corners of her mouth all the way up to her ears, like like the Joker mm-hmm. smile. They, they also call it the Chelsea grin or whatever. Uh, furthermore, there were several cuts on her thighs and breasts where entire portions of flesh had been slashed away. Her intestines had been tucked neatly beneath her buttocks. Like, yeah. Oh, man. So Elizabeth Short was only 22 years old when she was dead, when she died. And get this, the killer was never found. Are you serious? They never found that fucking killer. No. Okay, so all in all, there were 16 documented cases of death caused by unnatural causes, whether it be suicide or murder. In 1964, a retired telephone operator named... Pigeon Oldie Osgood, a well-known and well-liked long-term a resident. A retired what? A retired telephone operator. Oh, okay, okay. She was a long-term resident of the hotel because it was actually also apartments, too, back in the day. Oh, okay. So she was found raped, stabbed, and beaten in her room that was ransacked. One arrest occurred from the hideous crime, but it's still labeled as unsolved. Yeah. So, in the 1980s, the Night Stalker, do you know who that is? Richard Ramirez. He is a serial killer in California. What the heck? I've never heard of this. He was a serial killer in California. He was rumored to have stayed in the hotel for a few weeks. I know the granny granny snatcher in Yoakum. (laughs) Does that count? It's not called the granny snatcher. What is it called? The Twilight Rapist, you bitch! Do you know who Richard Ramirez is? I don't. Okay. Well, that's because you're a baby. Him, he well, forget He you. looks freaky as hell, dude. Yeah, but he looks like a that's fucked up. <laughs> so, Richard Ramirez was uh, rumored to have stayed in the hotel for a few weeks during his murder spree. Okay. In 1934, an army sergeant by the name of Louis D. Borden slashed his throat with a ra- razor. Less than four years later, a man by the name of Roy Thompson of the Marine Corps jumped from atop of the Cecil Hotel and was found on the skylight of a neighboring building. Okay, but going back to this army sergeant, he slashed his own throat with a razor. Like, that's some serious, like, shit. How do you slash your own throat with a razor? Like, he slit all the way through. Yeah. You would think, like, you would stop through that. I mean, I don't know. You have to be fucking psycho. Yeah. So... I can see it. Like, really just well, ready people, to end your life? People fucking cut yeah, themselves. No, but he straight up, like, ripped his throat open, dude. Slashed oh, his throat open. Fuck. Like, that's intense. 
So, in September 1944, a 19-year-old by the name of Dorothy Jean Purcell awoke in the middle of the night with stomach pains. She was staying at the hotel with a guy by the name of Ben Levine, who was 38. She went to the bathroom so as not to disturb a sleeping Ben. To her complete shock, she gave birth to a baby boy. She had no idea she had been pregnant. Mistakenly thinking her newborn was dead, Purcell threw him out the window. No. And onto the roof of the, of the building next door. At her trial, she was found not guilty of murder by reason of insanity and was admitted to a hospital for psychiatric treatment Damn. in 1962 a 65 year old man by the name of george gianni was walking by the cecil with his hands in his pockets when he was struck to death by a falling woman the woman's name was pauline auden who was 27 and jumped from the ninth floor window after an argument with her husband her fall killed both her and gianni instantly Police initially thought that the two had committed suicide together, but considered when they found Gianni, he was still wearing shoes. If he had jumped, uh, those shoes would have fallen off mid-flight. Yeah. So, yeah. Could you just imagine, oh, I'm walking, and all of a sudden... Minding your own fucking business, probably just on the way to the grocery store, and all of a sudden, some lady who just decides to take her own life ends up taking yours as well. Yeah. That's sad. And you can't even dwell on it, because you're fucking dead. You can't even, like... I'd be pissed in my afterlife. Fuck yeah. I'll haunt her family. That's fucked up. Haunt you and your family. Yeah. So now on to what I think is the most fucked up unsolved mystery of the Cecil Hotel. Mm-hmm. Even though technically in police reports it is solved. I think it's unsolved. So listen to this and tell me what you think. The disappearance of Elisa Lamb, which happened in 2013. Elisa Lamb was a 21-year-old Canadian student on holiday visiting the U.S., the last time Elisa Lamb was ever seen was by a surveillance camera in one of the hotel. Hey guys, it's Sarah. Sorry to pop in on y'all like this, but I have to fill in the blanks for y'all because we had some technical difficulties and I just now realized it as I'm editing it. So this is what I'm trying to say. A surveillance camera in one of the hotel elevators. All right, there you go, guys. Enjoy. Pretty viral. I think it's actually creepy as fuck. Was that recent? In 2013. Oh, virally? Um... Uh... Maybe. But they just started showing that mm-hmm. she went into the hotel uh, elevator. And, and you see she... her, like, poking, like, numbers and yeah. stuff. And then she, like, looks out. And then she, like, comes back in. Yeah. That's Elisa Lamb. But they said that there was a, um, because there was a game. and The elevator game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. So let's continue. So Lamb was seen acting erratically. And when I mean erratically, I mean she was acting fucking crazy. The surveillance camera caught her pressing the elevator's buttons, walking in and out of the elevator, and possibly attempting to hide from someone. Then, she was gone. Elisa Lamb wasn't seen until three weeks later, naked in the hotel's water supply cistern located on the rooftop. How was she found? The guests of the hotel started to complain about odd-tasting water that looked black, and they had low water pressure. She was, okay, so she was in the water supply, yeah. dude. Her body was decomposing in the water, and they're drinking the fucking water, and they're like, this is, tastes really weird. Oh. Someone needs to go check up there. So when they go check up there, there's her dead body. Fucking sick. <clears throat> Pol- nobody knows how she got in there. Not at all. Police ruled Lamb's death as a suicide and stated that her bipolar disorder contributed to her untimely death. But there are so many fucking questions. Like, first off, so you can really go into like a really big fucking rabbit hole with this yeah. thing. When you look at the story, they 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 tell you that next to the next to the door to the water mm-hmm. water tower or whatever, like her clothes were like neatly folded next there, like right there next to it. So it's she a, was naked. She was naked. Oh, she was in fuck. the in the water, 
but like how she was really far down like the water level was really low yeah how did she manage it's a it's a really hard door to close so how would she jump in there and then manage to close the door Somebody like definitely and you can't blame them on bipolar you can't blame them on bipolar disorder there's no, no. that's really and they blamed it on her like yes. she did it by herself no there's yeah. no fucking way no bipolar is not gonna make unless she had like bipolar schizophrenia and or something like that hiding from i saw the video where she was like looking in and out like she was fucking scared they were like they blame that on her not taking her medication or not having the right medication but when you're bipolar that's not how you act maybe schizophrenia maybe but they didn't say that she was Mm. diagnosed that she wasn't on any drugs they were able to check her do an autopsy of her body she wasn't on any drugs or anything like that so what the fuck Mm, that's sad it really is sad. So a lot of information I found on the hotel mainly focused on how much murder and suicides occurred in the hotel. But luckily, I found a website called memoriesproject.com. And from what I could gather, I think someone put together a website for the stories of their father who had Alzheimer's. And he was, like, telling them stories of his past life. So on their father's naturalization papers, which are the papers that show you that you are a U.S. citizen having immigrated from another country, Okay. His story revolves around Goldie Osgood's. Remember Pigeon Pigeon Goody? The one who got murdered and killed in her room was ransacked. One of the many no. murders that... You're not fucking listening. I'm not listening? I talked to you about it. We, we read it. I read it to you. Anyways, it revolves, <laughs> it revolves around her story. And I'm guessing that the father lived in the exact room where this lady pigeon goody had died in this is from the excerpt of what they said which leads right into my dad's haunted hotel experience every time he told the story i could feel the fear come off of him in waves even after so much time had passed he claims he went to sleep that night in this room at the hotel at the cecil only to awaken to the feeling that he was being choked he was bathed in cold sweat and couldn't move or call for help he felt hands around his throat but could not see anyone he literally thought he was going to die in that room. Finally, the feeling left him. He bolted out of the room and ran downstairs to the front desk. After he gasped for breath, he told the hotel clerk what had happened. The clerk said that someone had been murdered in that room. Dad was able to get his room changed as he made it clear he would never sleep another moment in that room. Mm-hmm. In two- 2014, a picture was taken by Costin Alderit who claims to have captured a ghostly image outside of the hotel, which I said I did include in the pictures folder, but I don't know if I did. Yeah. <laughs> the Cecil Hotel is still open and is still there, but, I mean, like I said, it's closed right now for renovation, yeah. so we'll see. And I don't know when it's going to be opened back up. I think they said 2021, so, but, yeah. I could just imagine you waking up to something fucking choking you. Oh, you liked it. Oh, no, that's Harder. scary. Harder, Daddy. Shut up. Oh, stupid stupid all right she distracted me she did that's why i didn't remember your story i don't believe it i enjoy hearing y'all mm-hmm. i've get been quiet your, get off your phone and <coughs> listen get in. get in i've been quiet so that way i'm since you know she's over here when i'm like i don't know and she's how off. the hell do you not know Darn. about fucking richard I don't, like i don't watch horror stories and murder stuff like that stop watching fucking boohoo witch shit and <laughs> know, fucking <laughs> riverdale and shit and start listening Fuck to some real you. shit i'm just saying all right so let's go to austin texas okay she's I'm gonna austin. sit on your lap daddy Oh, Crystal's gonna you go, join us. You gotta get off your phone. You're distracting me. I've paid more attention than you, obviously, and you're sitting Damn. Because you know what it is. I don't know what that is. Okay, y'all gonna have to speak up really fucking loud and clear. All right. Let's get into it. 
crotches on the table. I like that. Get that pussy. I'll scratch and sniff in a minute. Get that pussy on there. Pussy. All right. Located in Austin, Texas, and absolutely and 100% so fucking beautiful. I might also mention it is one of the most haunted hotels in North America. I didn't know that. It's called the Driscoll Hotel. I've never heard of it. I looked it up, and they were like, this is the haunted hotel in Texas. And I'm like, bullshit. Never heard of this one. I never heard of it. Have you? No. No. Damn. She called you the fuck out. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So the Driscoll Hotel is supposedly one of America's most haunted hotels in Texas. But like I said, I didn't know before I even, like, looked it up. (laughs) <laughs> and it has a really cool bar though which honestly i would like to go visit fuck yeah you would hell yeah bro why not the driscoll hotel was built in 1886 by colonel jesse driscoll a cattleman who wanted to spend his fortune on the finest hotel south of st louis the hotel lived a long and good life even after colonel driscoll's death in 1890 which is literally four years after he opened this fucking hotel he That's died sad. four years after couldn't even enjoy it so the hotel is now owned and operated by Hyatt Hotel Corporation since 2013 and is also listed in the National Register of Historic Places. The hotel is straight up magical, but magical in like a creepy and ghosty way, you know. The first legend, chronologically, is of a girl who died in 1887 after chasing her ball and accidentally falling down the grand staircase. Listen carefully in the halls and you can still hear the sound of giggling and a ball bouncing down the stairs. The girl's father paid for someone to paint her portrait shortly after her death and now hangs on the fifth floor of the Driscoll Hotel, and some say she tries to communicate through it. People say once in a while you can catch her giving you a smile and her expression will change in the painting. Oh, hell no. <laughs> the second story is perhaps um, my nipples hard. <laughs> the most creepy of all. Goddamn, they are hard. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the tale of the suicide brides, which is two separate occasions in which a bride, for reasons unknown, offed herself during her honeymoon. While some claim both of these tragedies occurred in room 525 in the bathtub, exactly 20 years apart from each other. There are many versions floating around the internet. Regardless, it does seem like there have been at least two suicides at the Driscoll Hotel. And of course, Colonel Driscoll himself has been known to check on uh, his hotel from time to time. Reports of cigar smell and this says fussy lights, but it looks like pussy lights. on <laughs> No. <laughs> Continue to baffle Driscoll staff. Some believe these incidents point straight to Driscoll, who died four years after the hotel. Among the stories is the legend of Peter Lawless. He was a railroad man who lived at the Driscoll for 31 years. Wow. Until his death in 1917. Some say his spirit still haunts the hotel today. Ghosts and employees have reported seeing Lawless in hotel lobby elevators. He can often be seen walking out of the elevator, checking his railroad watch, and nodding to the staff and then disappearing. Others report that the elevators have a mind of their own, taking guests to the correct floor without anyone pushing a button. Actually, that's, see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, ghosts that are helping you out. Like, that's fine with me, bro. Fucking take him to the right. Yeah, that's still right. Take me to the though. right floor. That's creepy, though. I'd be like, I got it. I'm grown. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. 
So, nighttime visitors to the hotel might encounter the specter of Mrs. Bridges, a hotel employer, employee who allegedly worked the front desk for several years in the early 1900s. As any good hospitality employee knows, dedication and consistency are essential to the job. And Mrs. Bridges apparently took her work at the Triscoll so seriously that visitors still sometimes catch a glimpse of her walking from the vault out into the middle of the lobby. The sight of the old front desk dressed in her Victorian style dress. Her appearance is apparently often marked by the smell of roses. She loved roses, and uh, she seems to fuss over the places where the flower arrangements are, would have been located back in her day. Yeah. If you look at the pictures of the Driscoll, which I do not have any pictures of the Driscoll, <laughs> I would say, personally, I think this place is way too beautiful. There's no way I could afford to stay here, and I actually had to look up the booking like to see what it was, like how much, how, how much the prices would be. And for one night, is $200. $200 yeah. for one fucking night, dude. But... Yeah, so I wouldn't because be able to. Of the history of it, I, I guess. guess so. I mean, I don't know. It's like updated. owned by Hyatt. Yeah, it's owned by the Hyatt Corporation. Not all Hyatts are that high. I think it's because it's haunted. Hmm. I think that's because it's haunted. Because it's sought for, yeah. It's an, it's a national registry for historical. All right. So what? What number was that? What number hotel is that? Number that three. Was the third one. Ooh. So we got two more. Third one, yeah. Ooh. And they get creepier, like, after after a bit of time. Really? Yeah. That Cecil Hotel is fucking creepy. Your nipples are still hard. Woo! Uh, I can cut some soft. ice off that. <laughs> <laughs> they're soft. Oh. Okay. Ew. Uh, so, 1880... This is called the 1886 Crescent Hotel. Okay. 1886 Crescent Hotel. Okay. Known as America's Most Haunted Hotel. See, these are all fucking known as America's Most Haunted Hotel, but I don't think that. Uh, the Crescent Hotel was built in 1886 solely to be a resort for the rich and famous. It didn't last, like most hotels in that period. In 1908, it reopened as the Crescent College of Conservatory for Young Women. That's a big mouthful. Then that institution closed down in 1924, but then it reopened again in 1930 as a junior college, which that got closed. Damn. <laughs> In 1934, and the Crescent was leased as a summer hotel. In 1937, though, things got a little fucking weird when it found its newest owner, a man by the name of Norman G. Baker. Let me tell you a little bit about Normie. Tell me about Normie. I'll tell you about Normie. Mr. Baker was a millionaire inventor and a radio personality, but for some fucking reason, he thought he was a doctor. Dude, that looks gross. You're smelling your piercing. So he thought he was a legit medical doctor, even though he didn't have any sort of medical degree, like, at all. Baker claimed that he could cure various ailments by primarily drinking the area's natural spring water. He turned the building into his own little hospital. Baker, however, was much more than just a harmless piece of shit. So he wasn't certified in No, not at all. He was just, had money. So he thought that he could be a doctor. Yeah. So he would only accept patients with no close family, which is weird. And upon their acceptance to his sanitarium, he would have them sign undated letters declaring themselves much improved and well. As in to be like... Like he did something. Fuck. Wow. So Baker's cures ran the spectrum from untested to downright cruel. One treatment of his was actually uh, he drilled holes into patients' skulls and injected a cocktail of spring water, corn silk, carbolic acid, and ground up watermelon seeds. He frequently practiced surgery in the basement. Oh, man. And people believe that 
yeah people went to this place asking for being like to be cured yeah. of cancer and shit like legitimately cured so one wing of the building was sealed off and named the psych- psychiatric ward their patients who were crying out in pain would be sequestered away which pushed away from prying eyes once the poor patients finally succumbed to either their illness or baker's treatments he had them taken away under the cover of night rumor has it he uh would take the bodies away through a secret tunnel to a local crematorium but no such tunnel had been found so i don't know what they did with what I he did could, with the bodies I could see that yeah because he's a fucking asshole he's psycho. yeah he, meanwhile he would send the previously signed letters to whatever family the patient had after a while he would then send a family a sadly worded notice that their relative had passed away and requested a sum of money to take care of the arrangements but he just pocketed the money that's fucked up right that's so fucked up obviously with this shit there has to be some fucking hauntings because these people have been like oh i'd hop the fuck out of his ass oh i'd hop the fuck out of him too i'm taking you to hell he was he was actually um he finally caught but he wasn't caught because of like anything that had happened there. He caught he got caught because he was cashing bad checks, and that's how they arrested him, and he so was how sent did to they prison. Out his whole... Well, because I guess he gave in and told them, or maybe the documents of like what he had in the ho- hospital. I don't know. Damn. So the most cited apparition is that of a red hair Irish stonemason who the staff has dubbed Michael. Allegedly, Michael was one of the original masons who worked on the building of the hotel in 1885. However, while working on the roof, he lost his balance and fell to the second floor area and was killed. The area now houses room 218 of the hotel, and it is said to be the most haunted room. <laughs> hotel. I have to move. Oh my god. I have to move. Why? Because well, I'm like. I if we don't move? <laughs> because I keep. Because if I sit still, I, I start. <laughs> I start yawning and shit. So. Move it up. Damn, is it really that boring? Are my no. hotels really that boring? No, I cannot sit still. Okay. But if I feel this like I'm... This is not boring. We're just trying to check, make sure. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I like it. Dude, Sarah's listening. You can be saying stuff Sarah, like that. Sarah, I would never lick your ear. Use this. My girlfriend's ear. <laughs> Bitch, you're going to get me whooped up. No. My oh. girlfriend's right here. What the oh, fuck? Oh, I was going to be like, you calling me a fucking girlfriend? Bitch. Who Rude. do you take me for? A slota. <laughs> Ew. Oh my god. Not my daddy. Okay, <clears throat> room 20, 218. That's where he haunts. Okay. We're in 217. Dude. Creepy. I just heard a door close a couple minutes ago. I swear on you. Yeah, because there's people in the hotel. There's all one car parked here. Um, Michael is evidently a, mischie- a mischievous spirit who likes to play tricks with the lights, the doors, and television, as well as often being heard pounding loudly on the walls. Others have witnessed hands coming out of bathroom mirrors and heard cries of what sounded like a man falling in the ceiling. Yet other guests have been shaken during the night, and on one occasion, a patron ran screaming from the room professing to have seen blood splattered all over its walls. From the days when the old hotel served as a Baker's Cancer Hospital, the lingering spirit of a nurse dressed all in white is often seen pushing a gurney on the third floor. Only spotted after 11 p.m., the time which they had used to move the deceased out of the cancer hospital, the ghostly spirit vanishes when she reaches the end of the hallway. Others who have not seen the apparition have reported the sounds of squeaks and rattles that sound like a gurney rolling down the hallway. During the 1930s, this area was used as the morgue, and even today still houses Dr. Baker's old autopsy table and walk-in freezer. 
<clears throat> also located on the third floor is the laundry area, where a hospital maintenance man once witnessed all of the washers and dryers inexplicably turning on by themselves in the middle of the night. So, the apparition of the greedy Dr. Baker actually shows himself as well, which fuck him, dude. He has also been seen at the old recreation room in the basement and under the foot of the first floor stairway, dressed in a purple shirt and white linen suit and looking somewhat confused. The apparition appears identical to the old photographs of the doctor. For a time, the antique switchboard continued to be utilized in the hotel, but when it continually received phone calls from the otherwise empty basement, the use of the old switchboard was discontinued. It was here in the basement that Dr. Baker's hapless patients were often convinced of his miracle cures and handed over their life savings for their treatment. Another remnant of these old hospital days is a ghostly figure who calls herself the Adora. Often seen by housekeepers in room 419, the Adora courteously introduces herself as a cancer patient before quickly vanishing. In the lobby, a gentleman dressed in formal Victorian clothing complete with top hat has been seen spotted at the bottom of the stairway and sitting at the bar. Described as a distinguished-looking character with a mustache and beard, many have claimed to entice him into conversation. However, he just sits quietly and never responds before he suddenly disappears. I mean, this just continues. Just There's so much there's going, so on. going on. There is so, so much shit going on. Would you be willing to stay in one of them? Yes. You fucking yes. liar. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, 100% yes. Would you? No. No. I mean, it's like every floor, there's like apparitions, touching, feeling. Mm, maybe, uh, but I literally have to hold one of y'all's hands like the whole night. Okay. So my parents actually, when they went to, because this is in Arkansas. This place is in Arkansas. I didn't put that in there, but it's in Arkansas. Okay. And my parents actually stayed in a place that that is similar to this. They stayed in, in, in this room together. And it was, like, supposed to be, like, this haunted-ass room. My dad was, like, supposed to have, like, this lady show up on his side of the bed. And she was supposed to, like, stand there in front of him or whatever. But he didn't experience anything. But, Hmm. yeah. And it's all based around these spring waters. And I think that's really important because when you think about, like, natural energy, Mm -hmm. spring water, that's, like, energy coming from the earth, you know? Yeah. Water is an element that we use as portals. Yes. Or a doorway. Yes. Absolutely. So, You're com- completely right. I believe it. All right. So are you ready for the last one? I'm ready. You ready, Sarge? <laughs> oh, gross. I'm stealing my, my saying. Okay. 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 This is it. Okay. The Stanley Hotel. Brought to fame by the Stephen King novel and motion picture, The Shining. <laughs> this place is huge and it's incredibly beautiful and it's, ex- and it's historical and it's fucking haunted. <laughs> All right, so the Stanley Hotel is a 142-room Colonial Revival Hotel located in Estes Park, Colorado. It was literally five miles away from the Rocky Mountain, and it's like, it really is really beautiful. Um, It opened in 1909 by the guy who made Stanley Steamer. Stanley Steamer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was opened uh, as a resort for the upper class and as a health retreat for sufferers of pulmonary tuberculosis. Mr. Stanley was diagnosed in 1903 with tuberculosis, which was the reason why it was founded. It was believed that fresh air would slow disease or realistically provide a pleasant backdrop to your very last day. Nonetheless, Mr. Stanley and his wife, Flora, went to Colorado. They visited Denver, and then they went up to Estes Park. To everyone's surprise, Mr. Stanley gained weight and lived through the summer. The couple vowed to return yearly, 
which in then turn gave Mr. Stanley the idea to make a hotel. He thought, you know, since I'm getting back into it, I'm feeling good, I'm not feeling sick, I, I want know. to share this with everybody else. I want to, you know, help somebody. Yeah. So today the hotel boasts having four buildings for guests to stay at. You can get married here, plan your company's meetings, and join the Rocky Mountains, which are just right, right outside the window. Or you can join one of their nightly ghost tours. Not only is the hotel notorious for the shiny, which we'll get into here in a little bit, it truly is fucking haunted. The guests have reported lights flickering off and on, doors slamming shut, seeing shadows, getting chills, and hearing laughter of children. Trip Savvy was able to pull through like a G and provided me with seven of the most... Did you hear that? What the fuck was that? Bitch, how did you not hear it? You're looking at us like... You didn't hear that? I swear I heard that. I thought it was my mom drinking it on. I swear I heard it. I thought it was like Jocelyn. Oh, bitch, that made no. my heart fucking. I thought shudder. that was, I thought that was Jocelyn, to be honest, no. or like your phone or something. No. Like a train came to a halt or something, right? Like a screech, no. like a yes, like a screech, but like a like heavy. <laughs> I don't know. There's eighteen wheelers going by. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it was an eighteen wheeler. I bet you we got it on recording. Probably. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Sarah again. Sorry to pop in here, but I wanted to make sure that y'all heard exactly what we heard real time. I have no idea what it is. Maybe it is an 18-wheeler. I actually thought that it was just like, I don't know. I don't know what I thought it was. I, I don't know what Lindsay thought it was. I don't know what Crystal thought it was, but obviously it sent some fucking chills up and down our spines. So I'm going to add uh, the clip of that little area where... There is a sound. You can actually hear it because I'm editing and you can hear the sound. I don't know what it is. Like I said, I'm going to do it like real quick for you guys just to make sure that y'all did hear it. What do you think it is? An 18-wheeler? A ghosty? Let me know. Trip Savvy was able to... All right, so that's the clip. It's not really great. Um, I kind of tech over it really loud. So you can kind of hear a growl. I'm going to say a growl. I don't know what it is, like I said. But tell me what you thought, guys. I don't know. I don't know what to think. So, yeah. So, let's go back to the episode. All right. So, they gave us the seven most haunted spots in the Stanley Hotel. And I added a couple more because I was, like, looking up everything. So, room 217. Stephen King reportedly stayed in this room when he was brainstorming the idea for The Shining. Yeah. Ooh. This is what the... Sh so, yeah. He made the, the book The Shining of, over this 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 hotel. hotel. Yeah. Inspired. Yeah. Wow. So he stayed in this room. He was brainstorming the idea. In 1911, there's actually an explosion which was reported uh, caused by the in invention of the electricity. Like, they had just gotten electricity together and, you know, I guess it was still working out the kinks. Yeah. So the chambermaid was thrown through the floor from the explosion. Although, technically, you can't say she walked away from the incident because she yeah. broke two ankles. Wow. <laughs> but she didn't die. She's still, she was still alive. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't stop anyone from seeing uh, Elizabeth's ghost, which is the chambermaid. Um, apparently, she still haunts the room. I don't know. Guests report items moved, luggage unpacked, and lights being turned off and on. Apparently, uh, Elizabeth was a bit of a tightwad because it said that she definitely doesn't like unmarried guests staying in the room together. Some couples report having felt a cold force come between them. <laughs> Which made me wow. think, like, what if me and Sarah Catherine stayed in this room? Two married lesbians. Lesbians! Woo! This is sin! You're going to hell! Ah, this is unnatural. <laughs> yeah. People are still... Yeah. It's crazy how people are still 
so in their set in their ways already. Fuck them. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. So then we have the vortex, which is the staircase between floors in the hotel's main great house. It's said to have a natural spiral of energy, whatever the fuck that means. I don't know what it is, but supposedly the ghosts of the hotel are said to use the vortex as a rapid transit system. Also, whatever the fuck that means. It's a haunted ass area, basically. It's really haunted. Okay. So there's the concert hall. Oh my god! Close the door, please. Yes. I can smell it. Oh, it doesn't even smell bad. Close it. Burn sage in there, bitch. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> so the concert hall um paul a well-known ghost enforces the 11 p.m curfew at the hotel people have said to hear get out uttered late at night a construction worker reported he felt paul nudge him while he was sanding the floors paul is also known to flicker a flashlight for the stanley ghost hotel tours uh, it's also said that Flora Stanley, she haunts the concert hall as well because she loved the piano and she, you know, yeah. that was like her happy place. So, of course, she would go back. But they're also said that there's a homeless woman that kind of stays there, too. They said there's a spirit of a homeless woman. Have no, they don't know. They have no reason. They have no understanding of why she's there. Her name's Lucy. They can get that much out of her, but they don't know why she is going back to the concert hall. They think maybe she would have been a homeless lady, like, looking for refuge when she was alive or something. I don't know. They just, yeah. she's there. So, and she's very, very like talkative. She communicates really well with like the ghost tours and everything. Like a lot of people get a lot of good EVPs and stuff. So, so the fourth floor, the entire fourth floor was actually a huge ass attic. It was where female employees, children, and nannies stayed, which makes sense because guests report hearing children running around laughing giggling and playing a closet is known to open and shut on its own in this room a guest will report walk waking to find their room door wide open and a child is standing in the doorway staring at them when they chase the child when they try to chase the child away they disappear imagine though waking up and seeing a fucking door open and then there's a kid just standing there watch looking at you i wonder when you see stuff like that i wonder if you're gonna be like really quiet and in shock that you can't even talk or you're gonna fucking freak the fuck out and i'm telling you right now i know myself i would scream so loud so loud so loud because when you see it you're like in shock you don't know how to react sometimes when when i saw you looking at me dude that still that fucking like, creeps me out man i was like what <sighs> that creeps me the fuck dude, out i don't even know how to explain my feeling at that time it was so i've never weird. seen anything in my life and i never want to oh, it's fucking i'm just creepy. saying have- you're not a part of this discussion right now <laughs> <laughs> so room 401 is notoriously where the closet uh, is said to open and shut Room 428, guests report hearing footsteps above them and furniture moving. The funny thing is, though, this is the fucking attic. There's nothing above them. So what could they be hearing? I don't know. Were there reports of people dying in the attic? I don't know. No. They're just hearing shit. Yeah. Mm. So there's also a visitor in this room, a friendly cowboy apparition is said to be seen at the corner of the bed now there is no indication that a cowboy had passed away in the hotel nonetheless in this particular room but he's there the ghost is said to be the spirit of rocky mountain jim nugent uh specifically because he only appears to women and sometimes gives them a nightly kiss 
Ew. That's so gross, though. They actually, they have underground caverns here, too. Really? Yes. So, this hotel has a fucking underground cave. Apparently, they were used back in the day for workers to move throughout the hotel without being seen by the guests. Although, current employees say the smells of home-baked goods linger in the tunnel without any apparent sources. This occurrence is attributed to the pastry chef who once worked for Stanley's when it was, uh, for the Stanley's when it was opened. Mm -hmm. No idea why. They never say how the pastry chef died or how his presence could be connected to the cave tunnels, but that's what you smell. Mm. There's also a gray cat that's seen stalking about, which leads into our next haunted spot. Did you know Stephen King wrote a book called Pet Cemetery? Yes, I've heard of Pet Cemetery. This hotel also is like the idea, the inspiration for the Pet Cemetery as well, because they actually have a Pet Cemetery on the grounds. Oh, really? Yes. So the hotel has a fucking Pet Cemetery. Which, like I said, was the inspiration for Stephen King's Pet Cemetery novel. Yeah. Uh, Cassie, a golden retriever who is not so peacefully resting in the cemetery, is said to paw at guests' doors as if eager to deliver the morning newspaper. There's Comanche, a fluffy white cat who spends his days strolling the property and knocking random glasses off of tables. Oh, I'm just kidding. Asshole. I don't know. Oh, you're stupid. <laughs> but he's a cat. They have to. I yeah, mean, they're, they're fucking assholes, dude. So, but I bet you he really does do that. So, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Stanley are said to be seen there because they love that hotel very much. Yeah. Mr. Stanley, is he's sighted in what used to be the former billiards room. Although the pool tables are no longer there, guests still hear the sound of balls breaking. But, um, <laughs> uh, Mrs. Stanley, which is Flora, uh, she's definitely there and a little bit more handsy. Uh, she is said to pinch guests or run an ice finger down their back Ooh, go a little lower ah, <laughs> <laughs> so last but not least <laughs> my favorite part about the whole hotel i love stephen king and i actually uh i read the book of i read the shining it was very good i loved it you should read it as well but why would stephen king the master of horror find so much inspiration in this hotel like what what brought this on in his own words from his own website this is what he said. I dreamt of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke up with a tremendous jerk, sweating all over, within an inch of falling out of bed. I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in the chair looking out the window at the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of the book firmly set in my mind. Stephen King and his wife stayed at the hotel uh, on October 30th, 1973, for only one night. At this time, the hotel had been emptied due to the slow season. The hallways were dead empty. Yeah. <laughs> dead? Get it? I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and when he and his wife dined in the large dining room, it was just them two, and the faint sounds of classical music playing in the background to, apparently, no one. No one but them and the dead. Dude, that's creepy. Of course, Stephen King could imagine a whole-ass book about a man who loses his goddamn mind with only his family and him holed up in a massive-ass hotel mm. in the wintered Colorado. Mike Garris, who actually directed the miniseries for The, for the Shining, because there was a miniseries, because actually Stephen King did not like the movie. He didn't like, he the, didn't movie. like the movie with Jack Nicholson. No. Huh. Well, because it kind of strayed away from how it was in the book, mm -hmm. and he didn't appreciate that, so he actually got allowed a guy to come in and actually do a series to follow the book and oh, it's wow. it's supposedly really good but yeah so this guy named mike garris he actually stayed in the room that stephen king stayed in because he wanted to get like the 
the aura of how he how he felt whenever he was coming up with the book. Oh, here's a fun fact. Uh, did you know that for the motion picture for the movie The Shining, the, the, the hotel that they have there is not the hotel, not like the Colorado hotel that we're talking about. It's not the Stanley Hotel. It's a hotel that's literally, what is it? It's in, it's a, they actually filled it in Oregon in a place Damn. called the Timberline Lodge. Yeah. But anyways, so Mike Garris actually stays in the uh, room 217 because apparently it's filled with. We're in 217. Oh, shit. We're in 217. Fuck. We're in 217. Okay. So it's apparently this room is filled with supernatural activity. Yeah. So this is what he said. I fell asleep at like 10 o'clock and at exactly midnight, I woke wide awake for no reason. That's a mild supernatural kind of thing that could be interpreted to more. He said other people talked about feeling a weight of someone sitting down at the end of the bed and then turned and looked up and no one was there. That didn't happen to me. If it had, I might have been more willing to embrace the idea of the haunted hotel. So basically, he did not believe in it. He didn't believe in it. He didn't feel anything weird. He didn't have any supernatural experiences. But, you know, that was what was said. So we'll end this hotel on a nice little review left by a woman by the name by the username of South Dakota Lore on TripAdvisor. Okay. Pictured in her little profile picture is what appears to be a Mrs. South Dakota Lore, around 50-ish, photographed only from the boobs up, red as a lobster, and a wide smile with what I can only assume is a strawberry daiquiri in her hand, which, let's be honest, was probably too exotic for her taste. So this is what Miss South Dakota Laura said about the Stanley Hotel. Okay, what's she say? <clears throat> uh, her, okay, so her, her stay was in June of 2012. Mm-hmm. So disclaimer, this is going to be kind of long. I don't know, I might jump around, but okay. this is basically it. So June 24th, we checked into the Stanley Hotel. We came from South Dakota for my 51st birthday, and visiting the Stanley was a dream of mine for many, many years. This is my impression. I feel that Stephen King paid the hotel, or the hotel paid Stephen King to get them out of some financial disaster, because I do not believe for one minute that Stephen King ever saw anything paranormal there. This hotel is the worst disaster in history. I can say I love the veranda, but that's it, folks. We paid $2.50 a night to sit on a veranda and look at the mountains and watch herds and herds of, not animals, people coming through the doors. Our room was next to the elevator on the fourth floor. All night long, the wall reverberated with huge banging and clanking from the people using the elevator. Our room thermometer never went below 85 or 88 degrees for the entire three-day stay. We were literally getting sick from the heat. There are certain things a person can put up with. For instance, this is a historical hotel, so it's not unusual to have noises. However, when the staff at the hotel treats you like you are just a rotten piece of dead fish, it's absolutely terrible. And believe me, that is how they treat you. They don't even welcome you to the Stanley. Not once. Not one single time were there were we welcomed by anybody. Oh my gosh. Oh my no, god. No ma'am. Yeah. So. so her name is Karen. Karen, <laughs> Deborah, Laura, <Dude>. Michelle. <laughs> Damn. But she I also mean, I'd be pissed too though, if girl, if my shit did not go under seventy. So she said, if I were rich and had lots of money, I would have went immediately the same day of a check-in to a different location. However, unfortunately, I have a disabled husband and I work 200 miles from my home to be able to have health insurance for my husband, daughter, and myself. I only work 30 hours per week and it took me years to save up for this trip. (laughs) Yeah, she really fucking hated it. So we'll end this with, 
shame on you, Stanley Hotel, of all of the many, many places I've been, I've never, ever been more disappointed. It's not gonna, not everybody sees things. Mm. Not, it doesn't happen to everybody. Not only that, but, like, everybody has a different experience. You can't just say, like, this is a shit place, don't ever come. Because maybe it's shit to you, but to somebody else, it could be a really good vacation. Yeah. You know? So, um, thank you, South Dakota lore, and fuck you, because you probably are a big-ass bitch. Exactly. So, <laughs> actually, there was, there was 38 people who thanked her for that review. Can you really? believe that? Can you believe that? 38 people loved it and thought that that was very insightful. Damn. I definitely wouldn't go through the reviews for the Stanley Hotel, because although it was historically accurate rooms and ambiance, it's a little too historical about cleaning and leaving used soap bars in the shower for when you arrive. It was really gross. Actually, the pictures that they have on there, it's really nasty and disgusting. I really hope they did something about that because it was it was dirty. All in all, the Stanley Hotel was haunted and creepy, and I most definitely would go insane if I was trapped up there in a snowstorm. Sarah Catherine wouldn't stand a chance. I get that bitch. (laughs) So this is my conclusion. My conclusion comes as this. There's something more to worry about when you're staying in a hotel besides sketchy white stains on the bed or the little bugs that are crawling around. If you don't pick carefully enough, you might just shack up with someone a little undead. Oh. And that's it! That's our haunted hotels! (laughs) Holy shit! That was long. I told you it was long. I told you there was a lot going on here. I did. You you did. I warned you. 24 pages, boo-boo. There's a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so that's uh, Haunted Hotels. Thank you, Lindsay, for listening. I love the stories. Sorry I got distracted at some point. Um, It's an hour and 15 minutes, and it's literally just an hour and 15 minutes of you being distracted. I literally... And I hate you for it. I have ADD. It's the worst. It's because you need some drinks, mama. I literally get... I do need drinks. So let's go eat. Let's go have dinner. All right, guys. So we're we're signing off. This is the end of our episode of Haunted Hotels. Uh, we hoped you enjoyed it. We hoped you enjoyed listening to Lindsay not paying attention to me for a I whole sorry. hour. Um, make sure to share us, like us, comment, subscribe if you can subscribe. Whatever. I love you guys. Peace. Peace out. I'll spook you later. Oh yeah, you didn't say that. Spook you later. <laughs>